signature to, to the Willet stuff. And it's that I'm never able to quite put my finger on it. It's just this herbalness. And I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. So I, so I would agree. I guess my description for the herbalness is the, the minty, minty. Yeah. Make more birdies. A bottle of bourbon, a little glass, and some ice. This is not a tip. This is a prescription. Trust me. Mm. If you don't, you will fall out of balance. Mm. Welcome to Birdies and Bourbon. Sit down and have a sip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Speakeasy Bourbon Club show brought to you by Birdies and Birdies. We're super excited tonight. Uh, we've got the Sunday Night Fight Club on. The Bourbon and Rye Club. Uh, everybody knows him as Mikey. Uh, I can't lie. When I Skyped him tonight, it was Mickey Pinstripe. So he's Mickey from us from this point forward. And we've got uh, Chris Blantner on, the Urban Bourbonist. So we're super excited. Uh, just, just so how this started, uh, we actually spoke with Mickey a month or so ago. Had him on the show. And uh, it was awesome. Had a great time. Threw back a few uh, few glasses. And... Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, maybe more than a few, but <laughs> en enough to get loose. And, uh, and, and he didn't uh, turn down the invitation. But uh, so this came about from uh, this uh, past Sunday, the Sunday night fight. And uh, as they were reviewing and we'll let them get into all the details, but they were somebody uh, was messaging and said, hey, this would be great to put in the podcast. Gentlemen, have at it. <laughs> we we were we are. <laughs> <laughs> and i think the audience was drunk too and they said yeah come on yeah you should do this on a podcast i'm like why not like yeah. i know a couple of guys so Wait a minute. here we so, are so it was a joke and we fell for it's what you're saying <laughs> pretty much you've been bamboozled yeah the joke so, yes. you guys <laughs> hey not not really <laughs> yeah you're right uh, you've got you've got the good stuff right there man this is this was the winner last sunday so it was a good fight Chris, uh, I've been on the show before. Do you want to start with a little introduction? Yeah, sure. So, um, again, my name is Chris Blattner. You can find me on uh, Instagram. That's really the only place I am on social media, and it's at Urban Bourbonist. Um, just a whiskey enthusiast that's kind of um, gotten really, really deep into this whole community on, on Instagram over the past, a uh, year and I've met people like Mikey and, and we've created this really cool thing that we're doing on, on Sunday nights, Sunday night fights. And um, I do an interview show also called the urban bourbon hour uh, that I do on Instagram live and then, and then post those interviews over to a, a YouTube page uh, as well. Um, so that's kind of like my my background here in in bourbon i've been just on instagram for just over a year now i just had a one-year anniversary uh earlier this month cheers. and um just, yeah cheers and uh doing stuff like this is like right up my alley i mean i can talk forever about bourbon and and rye and whiskey i just love it so basically what he's saying is we don't know how long this show is going to go. I can tell you, mine's <laughs> going to go about that long and no more. So. <laughs> You've got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Chris. Mickey, you want to uh, give, give us a brief one? Or, or not yes. a brief one. 
Yeah, I, I, I won't be long-winded. Not this time. I was the last time. <laughs> uh, Chris and I, you know, we put together Sunday Night Fights. God, probably was last year. So that's, I mean, it was shortly after you came on to Instagram, Chris, I think. And we just had the silly idea of doing kind of something like boxing themed where we pit two similar models, you know, weight class or whatever together that were accessible that people could get their hands on. Because most of the things that you see in a lot of these tastings on the internet is, you know, these wax top willets from 15, 20 years ago or Pappy Van Winkles and all these really hard to get things. While that's interesting, it's not exactly accessible if you've never had those things. So Chris and I wanted to do something that was kind of, you know, the, the daily drinkers, they weren't super expensive um, and things that were clearly being overlooked by a lot of people in the whiskey world. And yeah, you know, we just, we found this little niche that we just really enjoy. Uh, we, we love the fact that, you know, as you see, you've got old Bardstown right there on the table, you know, next to you. Uh, we love the people drink along with us and they don't have to go, well, I wonder what that tastes like. Like yeah. they can usually find these things. So, you know, it's just our, it's our little thing and we love doing it and we're going to keep doing it as long as at least two other people watch. <laughs> well, you got two right here, I guess. So uh, <laughs> captive audience. But, you know, the cool thing, uh, I mean, the, the, just the whole premise and the idea on the model is uh, so you picked them and I don't I did, but I don't have any more Rowan's Creek. So I couldn't I uh, couldn't taste test. Uh, I did have a bottle, but it, it's gone. But I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't have to go to the store and get old Bardstown. So so think about the community and your audience. Right. I mean, it was already on the shelf. And, you know, you, so you're release uh i don't know what day exactly you guys release on but uh you got some kind of teasers coming in of uh maybe you know some uh some guest matches of oh what's it going to be and, and and you're kind of teasing the uh the listeners or the followers but uh you know i was excited to see that i didn't have to go out and get it and i was more excited to see who was going to be the winner and and i can't tell this is not my first bottle of old bardstown that was my first bottle of rowan's creek and i didn't buy another one and, and I don't know if it was, uh, you know, subconsciously. I mean, it's never really because, oh, I don't like it. I mean, I'm an, uh, can I say I'm an alcoholic on the show? Sure. <laughs> Function, functioning, I'm a functioning alcoholic. So I drink what I like and, and I didn't buy another bottle of Rowan's Creek, but not because it was bad. I mean, you guys talked about it a lot on the show. It, it wasn't bad. It's just this thing really, really came to life. And uh, you, I mean, you did a great review on it, uh, you know, with your tasting notes, et cetera, on, and I'm sure we'll get into a little bit of that, but I did find and find another bottle of old Bardstown and, and probably one of the biggest reasons that I did it is, yeah, I like the taste better, but old Bardstown is a little bit hard to find. So, and Rowan's Creek is on every single shelf. Mm. See, that's the kind of the... I mean, that's Mikey touched on it. That's kind of the idea that we put behind this is like, we want these bottles to be things that we're featuring that pretty much no matter where you are in the country, you can, if you don't have these, you can go and buy these bottles and you're going to spend very little money to do it. So like this past weekend, when we did that matchup, I mean, Mikey gets these for a steal down in, in New Orleans. <laughs> sure both these as, I, as I heard, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but, but like I'm in Chicago, it's, it's probably one of the more expensive 
places um, when you're when you're buying whiskey. And I think you could get both of these bottles for around seventy dollars combined, which is not too bad to to buy two hundred proof uh, bottles of bourbon from a really really great distillery. You know, and and that's kind of the idea behind all of this. I mean, if you go back and look at all of our past matchups, we have an Instagram page for Sunday Night Fights, which is at Sunday Night Fights. And that was started kind of after we had, had kind of gotten rolling with this. But I went back and sort of archived the past fights that we've done. And if you look at those, I mean, if you went and bought all of those bottles, you would have one hell of a, a bar at home and it would cost you very little money. I mean, if you add them all up, it's a lot of money, but if you were doing it kind of as we were doing the fights, I mean, you would not be breaking the budget and you would have one hell of a bar. Yeah, Chris, I don't know if you can see me or not, but I'm, I'm pointing, I'm yeah. pointing at the bar behind me and Mickey's doing the same thing behind him. So, but to your point, I mean, it's like a hell of a bar, man. And yeah. I mean, there, there's really nothing on the shelf that I'm afraid. Well, there's a few things on there that it's like, you better be a damn good friend if I'm pulling it off the shelf. But, uh, but most of the stuff, you know, I'm not embarrassed to pull it off the shelf. You know, it's per- perfectly fine. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, what a, what a great idea. Uh, I did see, uh, Mickey had, uh, the Tyson on the, on the TV. I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you remember or not, but when we did our show, you know, Dan asked, uh, you know, who, who's the Tyson of, of bourbon so far. So, cool. uh, so yeah, yeah. Awesome theme, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, we, we definitely enjoy doing it. And, you know, like Chris's point, I'm even looking at your bar right now over your shoulder and it's like, you've got some, you've got a really nice selection of whiskey there. There is nothing up there that I would turn down except for maybe the Dickel bottles and bond. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so you, don't, you don't like that? I, I would say, I, I'd say go ahead and hang on to it. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> this is the, this is the cool thing about like a bourbon is that you can have a really good whiskey selection or collection, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it at any price point. And, you know, if you walked into someone's house I mean, for most of us, if a normal person, non-bourbon enthusiast walked into our house, they'd be like, what in the holy hell are you doing in here? Like, are you like, you know, are you an alcoholic? Like, are you, you know, did you rob a liquor store? Um, But if you you, you keep the heroin and the weed and the drawer below, it's like, oh, that's in the the (laughs) other room. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, you know, but most people, if they had like a bar cart, you know, or a cabinet of, you know, 12 bourbons that are all under 50 bucks, they're going to have a fantastic selection and they would be able to entertain even a bourbon, even a supreme bourbon enthusiast would still be able to find something that they liked. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of like uh, what you guys are talking about. You you see it, uh, Mickey, to your point, you walk into somebody's house and they have, you know, a wine rack. They don't look at you weird. But they walk in there and you got a bunch of bourbon. They look at you strange. Well, I look at strange. I look at Cal strange anyway. But you know, a normal person <laughs> put a normal is person it, is in it, there. Is it the stash? Is it the it's stash? the stash. It's the Ricky stash. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, yeah, j- just so you know, and I know, uh, I know, Mickey's not a golfer, Chris. I don't know if you are or not, but uh, and, and just for if we got golf fans listening, so you know, we do this DraftKings things. It's a little bet. You know, you pick a few players and put five bucks down, whatever. So Ricky Fowler, if you know him, probably. 
Totally. I mean, yeah. he doesn't know Ricky. All right. So he grows this creepy stash. Well, he hasn't he hasn't been playing that good, but I think he's going to do well this week. So I'm growing out my creepy Ricky Fowler stash. So. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I do play golf, but I play it very terribly. That's all right. Yeah, it's golf, man. It's yeah. golf. Yeah. What are you going to what are you going to do? So the um, only thing judging you is the bottle of bourbon that you're carrying with that's you. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, seriously. And if it gets hot, that just means you pour it over ice. That's right. That's right. right. Not the bourbon if it gets hot outside, temperature-wise. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. laughs> uh, yeah, that way you don't care what you shoot. Hey, so so I, I, I've got a couple questions. Uh, so I, I know, you know, from last week, you know, some people, somebody and, and maybe a couple other people uh, confirmed and said, hey, this would be a great podcast. So, um, and, and I don't know that we really got, that you got into anything because you've, you've got an agenda on your show, right? And you guys follow it to a T and it's perfect. This one is a little looser, so you know we we can kind of go in different directions. But um, so I've got a lot of questions. I'll try to kind of pick them out in my mind. I'm not good at taking notes. I like to you know freestyle this thing. So um, did did um, did you have any comments? I shouldn't say comments. Uh, you were surprised at the winner, or, or were you not? I, you know, I would say sometimes, sometimes yes. Uh, sometimes, like you know. I don't really read Chris very well, like what he's, what he's thinking while he's drinking. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's okay. It's just, you know, we try to, we try to give it, you know, the three rounds, fair shakes. Like I'm taking mental notes. I'm sure Chris is too. And he'll talk about his, his, his take on it, but I take a lot of mental notes and I go back and forth and I'm like, okay, what did I like about that? And then I listen to Chris's thoughts on it and it doesn't influence the way I think or what I feel about it. But if it does affirm how I'm feeling about it, then that does give it, in my mind, kind of a point on a scorecard. And I start to go, okay, the next time I'm going to have it in round two, did it change? You know, mm-hmm. and if it did change, is it better or is it worse? And like, then I, I start trying to put the little pieces to the puzzle together. And sometimes I don't know until like at the very end on that last round where it's like, okay, now I know what I'm going to do and where I'm going to go with this. But it is also remembering what happened on the previous two rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other, the other two drinks. Hey, Chris, if you don't mind, before you, before you go, before you get into that, so that that's an interesting point, right? Because I mean, we could all four take a drink of this and we could taste something completely different. But as soon as you mention it, I could be like, oh shit, yeah, it, absolutely, that was there. I just did. That's just not what caught my, uh, not what caught me on the nose, or not what caught me on the finish or the palate or whatever. So, so then it's and and I, you know, it. it it, it'd be uh, I'd be remiss to say that it wasn't a little bit biased, but it does now trigger that in your mind. Does it bring that note a little more prominent, which was probably already there? But who knows what you had to eat today and what else you had to drink today? I mean, that, that's I mean, it's the thing that I mean, it's reality, right? Well, even like Chris made a suggestion on a note and I didn't quite get it. I mean, I, I was aware of what he was saying, but for me, it was a really subtle note, um, but it never really just popped out. You know, but it was always there in my head. And and look, we make we make no bones about the fact that we have biases on our our preferences. You know, like like Chris said during the fight, you know, butterscotch is is the death sentence <laughs> to, to to the opposing fighter. If we get butterscotch, it, it, it's pretty much game over because it's yeah. such a great note. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, no, and I think like while we're while we're doing the fights, I'm I'm listening to Mikey to. 
I, I, I want to know kind of what he's picking up and you're right. Like if he, if he says a note that maybe I'm not necessarily getting, of course the power of suggestion is there and I may then find that note, but like you said, Cal, like it was probably there, but I just wasn't, it wasn't uh, kind of registering with me. Yeah. But like if Mikey says it, then I'm like, Oh damn, there is a lot of clover. There is a lot of, you know, licorice or whatever it may be. Uh, going on with this whiskey, but I wasn't picking up on it. And I don't know that that necessarily has any effect on like which direction I go or which direction Mikey goes with the voting. It's just kind of an awareness of, of what he's tasting. And can I pick up on that? There's plenty of times where I'm sure I say crazy stuff and Mikey is just like, no, I'm not getting that. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. But all I can do and all Mikey can do and all any of us can do really is like all I can do is spit out what I what I feel like I'm I'm tasting. And, you know, um, someone else may be just like this guy's crazy. I, I have no idea where he's coming up with that. note, but it's just like something, you know, connects with you in, in your taste memory that you spit out that note. And uh, it's just it's just one of those things. But. I like to hear what Mikey says because it, it gives me a different perspective to, to look at, you know, what we're tasting. And that is another reason why I think Sunday night fights is so cool. I'm not saying that I'm this great, uh, taster and Mikey's, I'm, I won't speak for Mikey, but I don't think he's saying he's some great taster. Hey, it's, it's, also, that's funny, Dan. That's what I heard. Didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> I, I feel like we give this perspective that people can kind of look at and be like, Oh, I, I kind of more associate with what Mikey is tasting, or I sort of associate more of like what Chris is tasting. Yeah. And we can give these point of views to people that they may be able to then go, Hey, I'm going to pick up a bottle and, and we're not promoting anything in any way, but they might be like, Hey, I'm going to grab a bottle of old bird sound because I tend to like what Mikey tastes in his, in his whiskeys. And I think that's a really cool thing about Sunday night fights as well. Yeah. That's also great too, because the commentary from some of the viewers <laughs> mm. is, is great. Like they're, they're sharing their notes as they go along and you know, every once in a while, like you'll catch one of the comments that'll say, Oh, this is a cherry bomb or something like that. And it's like, damn it there it is like that's <laughs> like i missed that's it. exactly that yeah. that's that thing that it was there but i couldn't quite place it you know you're you know you're completely right when someone says a note and then it's in your brain then you can't get rid of it so one of my favorite tasting notes of all time was on bullet rye whiskey uh, it's not as prominent now that it's all diageo made but when it was sourced um my girl once said she's like it it gives me a cherry cola like Oh. flavor to it mm -hmm. and once she said once she said cherry cola that was it for me i could That's never what she not, every time. never <laughs> not taste yeah. it it was always there and it's you know it's interesting now because you know if you have a glass of bullet rye you won't get that note because it is a different whiskey uh, but it, i i love the fact that people can suggest something and if your palate can catch it it's not like they're they're tricking you into yeah. tasting something you're not they're just helping your brain identify something, and I love it. Yeah, I don't, have you guys ever had? Um, I'm going way off base here, so we'll 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 adjust in a second. Have you ever had uh, quarter horse bourbon? No, no. I don't think I've had quarter horse. 
All right, it's not going to register then. But I, I'm t- like this thing is uh, so we're t- back to the uh, back to the old Bardstown. Uh, I, I didn't even talk about any of the notes, and you guys didn't either. I mean, this thing is named after a thoroughbred from the '50s that won a shitload of races. <laughs> like, I guess that's why we're having a podcast. So, Old Bardstown Willet Distillery. It was named after a quarter horse. It was extremely successful during the 1950s. All right, back to so, like this thing to me, it's uh, it, it's not mint julep because it's not sweet. But I mean, this thing all the way around. I mean, it is like spearmint, 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 spearmint. And it's I, I think it's mostly corn, right? I mean, there's not a lot of rye in there that's going to give it that that like. So where's that coming from? I, I think it has. I think we said 13% rye, so it's not a high rye bourbon, but it's sort of approaching that level. But there's there must be something with Willet products, either the yeast that they're using or how it's being aged that gives you those kind of herbal notes. And and you say spearmint and mint with, with this old Bardstown, and I can see that. Um, I just get this grassiness, like this kind of herbal sort of quality to it that I find in a lot of the Willet products. And I think Mikey and I talked about this. There's just like this sort of signature to, to the Willet stuff. And it's that I'm never able to quite put my finger on it. It's just this herbalness. And I, I don't know how to describe it other than that. So I, so I would agree. I guess my description for the herbalness is the, the minty mintiness. Yeah. And, uh, and there's like this kind of musky, not off putting musky, not like, uh, you know, I left my clothes in the washing machine too long musky, <laughs> but it's, uh, but, you know, but, but it is like, you know, if you, uh, I mean, back to horses, right. If you've, uh, ever made hay and you've left hay a little too long and it's been wet, you get that kind of wet hay, kind of taste in there that gives that musty uh minty flavor which i don't i mean i don't mind it i mean i think it's fantastic for a bourbon i'm like i don't know why this is really bourbon i mean i know why but i'm just saying like it's it's hit it, it's the mark for a lot of different numbers yeah it's interesting too like uh, i'm a big willet fan if you didn't if you didn't know already <laughs> yeah um, i picked up on that <laughs> uh and i know that this is sweeter than the rise but the family state rye and this one actually share some similarities because you do get that, that mint to it, that spearmint, you do get that grassy note to it. There you go. Uh, I mean, this obviously has a lot more caramel and, and, you know, sweetness to it, but I think they share more similarities than they, than some of the other Willet products do. And the notes to this one, I, I think you're, you're dead on, man. That spearmint is a very, is a very prominent note. Um, I actually love the fact that this resembles a lot of Jim Beam products too, even though it's obviously not made by Beam, but it's got that kind of palette uh, resemblance that I really, really like. And it's not a high rye, but it plays as if it is. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it, it's totally a, uh, you know, hey, back to, um, if I were renaming the the uh, the winner, it would have been the Rope-A-Dope, man. <laughs> I mean, like, like this thing totally suckered you in and looked like something it wasn't, and then there it was. Yeah, and it's, it's got true, a terrible label. <laughs> yeah, it does have a terrible label. Well, it, is, it is junked up like nobody's business. But you know, they've got all their awards and rewards, and they've sure. got the yeah. yeah it is. It's kind of crappy. I, I don't know. Yeah, 
it's not. Well, I mean, we, be careful. We get on tangents about labels. Like we went a whole well, second hour yeah. the other yeah, night that, just fun. on labels. But hold on. But, so, but here, but so, I mean, they they named this after a racehorse that was a, yeah. a thoroughbred that was a stud in the 1950s. And look at what they imaged that stud race. I mean, it's like make, putting Secretariat as uh, as uh, what's uh, what's Gumby's horse's name, right? I mean, what, how? <laughs> Yeah. It's like you put po- you've got you've got secretariat up here and you put pokey on the friggin painting. It's like, I, I don't. How did you what's the mess there? I mean, you're that. Well, because if they do that, you probably now instead of a thirty dollar bottle or would you say 19 where you're at? Yeah, it's pretty cheap here. But but then again, the total wine here has it for thirty six, which who knows? Yeah. Wow. But, but yeah, like but change the label and now you've got probably a 70 or 80 dollar bottle of liquor that you can't find anywhere so well let's not do that exactly yeah, let's, <laughs> let's, let's stick with pokey, I'll, stick yeah. with pokey. I, i'll take i'll take the crappy label for 30 bucks or less yeah exactly yeah, yeah. well we went off on this tangent uh, the, uh on sunday night uh, basically if you look at all the, i guess i'll do it again the, the Willet products outside of the family estate with the really cool, you know, logo on there, you know, that's awesome. I mean, the Willet family estate bottles are ridiculously cool. The rest of the products are pretty, the labels are horrible. And the Rowan's Creek is absolutely terrible. But uh, that's all I'll say about it. <laughs> well, hold on. I, I'm, I'm going to keep going and, and then I'll shut up. Good, because I will too. Then what? What about the pot still bottle? I mean, it looks it looks cute, and it looks like oh my god, I got to get one of those until you got to put the damn thing on a shelf. Yeah. Oh, you can't even. I mean, very cool looking bottle, but you can't fit it anywhere. The whiskey's pretty crappy. Good. I mean, yeah. I mean, but it looks really really cool if you have like, you know. Uh, a, a very large dedicated space for it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's one of the worst bottles to put on a bar um, yeah. because it takes up and it, it you know an inordinate amount of space for what's in it. It's got that really wide base. It just looks stupid on the bar, to be honest. Um, I know why people buy it because it says will it, and they you know um, they also engage in some other things, and it makes a really good custom version of that. <laughs> Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll just say that it's, it's the bong bottle. Everybody knows this. It's not, <laughs> not anything new. Uh, but you know, it's just, it's one of the weaker, weaker will it products, but because of the uniqueness of the bottle, I think people give it a much like a lot more prestige than it deserves. I would not take will it pot still over old Bardstown estate. I wouldn't even take it over nope. standard old Bardstown. Nor would not I. Even no. counting, not Nor even would counting I. the bottled and bond. Like, Right. It's just one of those things. The best things for a Willet pot still bottle are for bongs or is olive olive oil bottles because they're beautiful. But that's it. It's a good point. Whiskey's yeah. whiskey not great. <laughs> that, goes to our, that goes to our other point that we were making. Like the uh, obviously the bottle shape matters. The, the label matters. Like when you're trying to market this stuff to people, I'll tell you, I, I live like, two minutes away from a Whole Foods. They have a very crappy selection of bourbon, <laughs> but they carry the Willet pot still. And I will tell you that thing, they cannot keep it in stock. They cannot keep that bottle on the shelf because people buy it 
Wow. I don't know. There must be a lot of people. That's called bourbon. That's called bur- it, bourbon and Coke. Bourbon and Coke. Yeah. yeah. I'm actually surprised. Just yeah. Sells like crazy. I'm surprised you can walk into a Whole Foods and buy bourbon in your in your neck of the woods there. We can't. Oh, we can't do Georgia, that. Georgia. Georgia. North. I'm in. I'm in Atlanta. Dan's in Raleigh, and no chance you can walk into any grocery store and buy any liquor, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. We we have at Whole Foods here as well. Um, California was really prevalent. Like the, the Whole Foods and Trader Joe's there had pretty good whiskey selections, to be honest. Wow. Very cool. Uh, so, uh, so it's your fans. I mean, uh, you're, you're, uh, you know, we, you've got the platform. I've got a couple of different directions I want to go, but to anything you want to hit on before I uh, take off again? So we will go down whatever rabbit hole you want to go. <laughs> so, so we've talked about, and it, maybe it's belabored, but so you've talked about how, how and why you're picking the bourbons that you're picking. Uh, so, we, so we already know it's, uh, it's accessible and it's affordable. Uh, but so the next one, and we're not asking for any insider information, <laughs> at least not while we're recording. <laughs> But, uh, but I mean, so how are you going to pick the next one? I mean, what led you to, and, and if you want to stay on, on the Willet and the old Bardstown, I mean, Mickey, I know you're, you're a big fan, but, but what's, what's the next one? What's going to trigger that note for you that says, this is the direction we're going. <laughs> oh, he's not talking. He's tuned me out. Uh-oh. I can't hear you, Mickey. He no, definitely no, no. hits on what we're going to do. Yeah, we lost you on that one, man. We didn't catch you. Is, is, was that intentional? Um, my my headphone went out. I've been using it all day. So oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Sorry about that. Um, you know, Chris Chris had a good idea of doing a family feud style series. <laughs> we stopped pitting, you know, opposing, you know, uh, distilleries against each other, but using the same stable of horses, you know, per distillery. And so this was our first one that we've ever done. And we're we're gonna go that route again for probably a couple couple more fights probably over the next couple of months. Uh, we have not selected the fighters yet. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't want to know the fighters. Yeah, I'm just asking more kind of like what's your direction and no, how you pick we, them. We don't know them. We would tell you if we knew them, but we we sure Mikey they would. and I will just be like, hey, what do you think about uh, you know this matchup? And yeah, let's do it. You know, um, so it's not like we're. <laughs> We don't actually like plan this out all too much. Like I think the most planning we've done was like back earlier in the year when we did kind of like a little tournament style and we kind of picked like eight bottles to go against each other. But other than that, we kind of just chat, you know, uh, over direct message uh, here and there. And Hey, what do you think about this matchup? Mikey, uh, he's done most of the matchups. Like he's really good at pitting these, bottles against each other and like and, and figuring out like bottles that are very similar in terms of like maybe taste profile or we definitely are looking at things that are uh, equivalent somewhat in the price like they got to be fairly close in in the price uh, we're definitely looking at the proof point because they need to be you know if not exact they need to be within a few proof points of each other in order for this to be kind of a fair thing. But Mikey is really good at kind of uh, matching those up and um, kind of determining those matchups. Uh, but yeah, right now um, I'm, I'm thinking we'll probably do one in uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And we'll, we'll figure that one out over this, uh, over this next week. Um, 
But Cal, you had mentioned something earlier about have we like have we ever been surprised at a winner? Yeah. And there's been a couple, I think there's been a couple surprises like going in where I was supremely biased and the other the other whiskey actually ended up winning out. The biggest I think upset in my mind, like for me personally, was uh, early times bottled and bond against E.H. Taylor, uh, small batch, bottled and bond. Mm -hmm. So going into that matchup, I'm a huge E.H. Taylor, small batch, bottled and bond fan. Like that was like my favorite whiskey going into that, into that matchup. And I really liked early times too, but I was like, there's, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got no chance. It's like, it's like night and day, man. Yeah. And like, this is going to be like a complete blowout. You know, E.H. Taylor is like, way up here for me. Right. But when we sat down and, and tasted those side by side, I was like blown away at what I was tasting. And I think that was a pretty, that was a pretty clear cut, like winner early times bottled in bond, like won that one pretty clear cut. And I was like, wow, I need to reassess my favorite uh, bourbon at this point. Because early times kind of like wipes out the E.H. Taylor bottled and bomb. Hmm. And I say this almost every time we do the, the Sunday night flights, tasting, the, tasting those whiskeys that we do side by side is really, really eye-opening and really, really fun to do. Like it is such yeah. a fun experiment to take those two whiskeys, not blind, just taste them side by side and really try to be you know, objective about what you're tasting and, and what you're liking on that particular night. It's such a fun thing. So I'm going to derail us again. Uh, Mickey, I know you got something to say, but uh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Well, no, but so, so think about early times, right? I mean, in early times in what, like the mid fifties or sixties, we got a common theme here during the fifties. I mean, we've got popular (laughs) stuff, but during the fifties, uh, early times was the keynote bourbon, uh, in, in, in the U S I mean, it was the Jack Daniels or the, it's a Jack, it was the Jack Daniels of whiskey in the U S right. So, and, and it, turned into a bottom shelf dumper that nobody it's like, I'm only buying that if I've only got $14 and I want a gallon. <laughs> so it's like, I'm not, I, I ain't even looking down there because it, and it's in a friggin' plastic bottle and it's still with the label from the 1950s. So what do you think about, cause you said your label horse, you, 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 you guys both brought it up. So what do you think about, I, I'll give my opinion afterwards. My opinion doesn't count. Your listeners want to hear your stuff, but I'll keep on quick. But what do you think about the, uh, the new label for early times bottled and bond? Love it. 100% love it. I think uh, this is the one thing that the Dickel bottled and bond also uh, has in common. It's beautiful. There's not a lot of blue labels out there on whiskey bottles that aren't like scotch or something else like if you think about if you think about bourbon like off the top of your head you could do what well weller foolproof one of the basil hayden rum cast I've never seen one of those. I have no idea right yeah me neither <laughs> only <laughs> only on tv right <laughs> uh, so like the bottles really stand out because they're blue and they're actually beautifully designed they have great fonts they're laid out really well uh they're just they're when you see early times bottled on bottled and bond on the shelf which sadly it's harder now 
Uh, it doesn't look anything like it's bottom shelf, you know, dust bunny brown. Uh, yeah, it's just it, yeah. it's so beautiful. And you know, they put a lot of money into the re the rebranding of it, and they did a great job of it. It's gorgeous. Um, I'll I'll agree with Chris that that fight probably surprised more people than any any fight we've done because the E.H. Taylors are so revered. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're so coveted. Like everybody loves E.H. Taylor and there's nothing wrong with E.H. Taylor. It's really good whiskey. But that night, we, it surprised an awful lot of people. Uh, it wasn't just Chris. There were a lot of people watching that were like, holy crap, like what just happened? Mm. Um, I was drinking side by side and I have to agree. Um, that was a really cool moment for, for Sunday Night Fights and kind of takes us back to the first one we did which was Wild Turkey 101 and Fighting Cock, you know? And a lot of people are like, oh, Fighting Cock, it's crap. Like, it's, you know, it's a terrible label, which is true. Uh, you know, <laughs> no way it'll be Wild Turkey, and, and it did. You know, and it's the side-by-side is so different than doing a blind taste where you're trying to determine what it is. Like, we fully embrace the bias of a label. Mm. And, you know, we try to keep a really open mind going in, like, I would say that if you were a betting guy and if you were going to say that Chris was going to pick early times bottled and bond over EH Taylor small batch, knowing how much he loved it, you'd bet heavy money on the Taylor to win. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was able to set aside his own preference and just experience what was happening in that side by side comparison. Um, you know, look like that was, that was a really cool moment too. Like if you want to talk about being really open to a, a different experience, like, Chris's Chris's night that night to me was the epitome of why we do Sunday night fights. Mm-hmm. Nice, very cool. Yeah, it well. So, do you think the uh, the I know you uh, you you knocked on my dickle bottle back here, and and, and I'm not a big dickle. Would you fan. like me to do it again? Yeah, well, you, you can, you can. I'm not a big dickle fan, and the first bottle I had, uh, it, I, I couldn't really get into it. Uh, I got gifted a second bottle. And, uh, you know, it's actually grown on me a little bit. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that you need to try it again, but it's, it, it's not my favorite. I'm not going to buy another bottle, but I got it as a gift. And I'm like, you know, shit, let me give it a try. And I had a couple friends over and, you know, we, we popped it open. And I'm like, eh, you know, maybe it's not that bad. But so but think about the labels. And you talked about the blue label as it is. And, and I don't know who they, they didn't come out of the same house for sure. But uh, but the labels are very similar between the Dickel and the ET uh, early times. So like, is there what's the similarity there? Are you guys we're not in the nose. So do you guys have any insight? I think it was probably just a marketing opportunity to go. Hey, that's pretty cool. Um, now, I don't know who copied who. <laughs> I really or, don't. Or, or they went to the same marketing firm to get their feedback, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, we'll do that." But 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 here's who won clearly. Early times won with both the labeling and the juice. Dickel once again win with the labeling, but they missed a little bit on the juice. So you know, there there you go. And and I would say most people would look and if they saw them side by side and they weren't like in tune. They'd pick the dickle up before they pick the early times up, and I think that's a clear miss. Yeah, that's that's you know, labeling has a lot to do with it. When you drop that that bottle and bond with that age statement, um, that's a really powerful marketing statement. It really is. And here, in all fairness to to dickle, um, I love their rye. I think their rye is really good. I love Tennessee rye, so it's not that I'm just slamming dickle. Uh, there are a lot of people that really like dickle bourbons. There really are. And there, you know, it is a flavor profile that I just don't personally prefer. 
So when I when I trash something, it's not that it's actual garbage. Um, they, I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm a, a snob or anything like that. It's just it's really just not my palate preference at all. Um, I get you know people will talk about you know Flintstones chewable vitamins a lot with a lot of Dickel bourbons. I remember yeah. Smooth Ambler, you know, put out some some of their some of their whiskeys over the last two years that was using source Dickel. And some of them were really, really Flintstone-y. Mm. So if you like the Flintstones chewables, you're going to love it. <laughs> I, I, I grew out of that. I grew out of that. Hey, but hey, some people really love that flavor profile. And I don't mean to slight any of them. It's really just, I want to be clear. It's like, we're not throwing shade just to throw shade. Like, it's it's really based on our own personal power. Uh, personal, yeah, personal preference and and completely fine. Which so and I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. I was uh, I was probably drinking more than you guys were the other night. But uh, the old Bardstown doesn't really. So there's no age statement. Uh, and back to a lot of and I mean it's like does it really need? I mean they could definitely put an age statement on there and get rid of some of the other junk. But uh, like you know, the label, <laughs> right. well, yeah. uh, but I, I mean, what do they call like ten years? Is that what they kind of they're anchoring on ish? <laughs> There's uh, for the old Bardstown estate bottle that it, I couldn't find anything definitive on it, and I sh- I should have just asked them, but because um, like the Rowan's Creek is six to seven years, and they told me straight up it's six to seven years. Um, what I could what I could find uh, about the old Bardstown is that there definitely seems to be some older bourbon in there. I did see some mentions of ten year bourbon potentially being in it. I don't think it's definitely don't think it's all ten year bourbon. Mm-hmm. Or else for, they'd probably the be yeah they'd be touting that as well. Right. Um, but I do think there's probably some some higher aged bourbon in there probably cut in with you know some four-year stuff that that kind of balances it out and um i don't know but it's what i do know is it tastes really damn good <laughs> nice yeah. you know and yeah you know, we could we could go down a whole tangent on age statements you know the age statement doesn't make the whiskey you know, if you put one drop of a two-year whiskey into a twenty-year-old bourbon, you have to—if you're going to age state it, it's got to be two years. Mm-hmm. You know, which is really—I think—I understand from a like the old laws, like type of perspective on why they do it that way. But as a consumer, I don't think it really benefits us with having a, an age statement that's based on the youngest whiskey in the bottle, because if you know, if you've got a blend of you know sixteen, twelve, ten, and eight. And the majority of that whiskey is older. Um, I, as a consumer, would prefer to know the average age of the whiskey that's inside. Mm-hmm. So if it's 50%, you know, 12 year and 50% four, like right smack in the middle is going to be what I would like my age statement to represent. But that's me as a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, I, it's definitely not at the, you know, the forefront of most whiskey fans. They're looking for that number on the bottle. And it's like, oh, Dickel, that's a 13-year, I'm getting that because that's yeah. 13 years. Or, or do what uh, what uh, Bardstown Bourbon Company does on, on their blends, and they break down the percentages of everything that's in the bottle. They don't, they, you know, they say 47% 11-year, 
you know, 23% four-year, and they would say it's Kentucky or it's Tennessee or wherever the blend is from. And I realized this is like labeling that way is not easy to do, especially if your blends are, are changing. Um, so to be able to, to do that on the bottle is probably very difficult right. for distilleries to do. But if you're doing like specific releases, like Bardstown is doing, they're doing numbered releases of their products. So they can do that. They can break it down for each release. And that's just fantastic to me from a consumer perspective to see that. Um, and, and even if they could do an average age statement, like Mikey said, I think would be so huge for a lot of these distilleries because most of them just drop it because they don't, they don't want to have to put two year on there or they don't want to have to put four year on there when the majority of the product is 10 years old. You know, if they could do an average, it would be much better for them. It would be, I think a service to the consumer as well. Um, so that'd be a, a, an interesting change to see happen in, in the industry in terms of labeling. Uh, we're playing Playing out of the other fairway here, but uh, but we can still get we can still get to the green in two, and it's a great point. It's a great point because think about it though. I mean, think about you've got a proof and you've got an ABV, and an ABV is already represented as a percent. And I mean, that would be a great place to put the average age year for this is X, right? Whatever the, whatever the number becomes, and. I mean, maybe they don't want to do, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of reasons they don't want to do it, but the two main ones is because probably the average age year may be uh, something they don't want to announce because it might be extremely low, mm -hmm. even though it's good juice. I think from a marketing standpoint, you might turn a lot of people off. The second piece of that is, is uh, you, they, 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 you've got uh, Jack Daniels, right? I mean, you can't go anywhere in the world or, or uh, and it's not bourbon, but Johnny Walker. It, go anywhere in the world and ask somebody if they know what Jack Daniels or Johnny Walker is, and you'll get you, nobody is going to say no if they're if they can speak if they can talk. <laughs> no matter what language they speak, they can still say Jack Daniels and Johnny Walker. And as soon as you change that label, you've lost. Like I mean, Coca Cola tried to change their label. Guess what? They changed that shit back. <laughs> so again, I mean, but so but back to I mean, say I'll shut up in a minute, uh, maybe. But go back to early times. I mean, early times was dead on the vine, man. Early times is gone. All they have is capacity to make liquor. They don't have a brand. And without them making a change, they can't do it. So some of these other people, and think about, so the Barrel, Barrel Bourbon, uh, Bargetown, uh, what's the rabbit rabbit hole? All these new ones that are, you know, the 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 uh, the boutique or the niche um, uh, small batch bourbons that are coming out. I mean, they're setting themselves up to get bought by the big ones, unless yeah. they just unless they just want to run the business. But eventually, they're going to offer them a crazy amount of money because the Jack Daniels, the George Dickels, the uh, the uh, the Doers, the all these brands are going to go down a hole because the consumers that are coming on today. And sorry, I, I'm long winded, but it's just like golf, man. And we talk about this on our golf podcast. The, the brands that are around, people are buying them just because you bought space on the shelf and you're going to get taken over because you're not keeping up. Yeah. 
good point. Yeah, got nothing to add to that. You're you're dead on. Uh, sorry, so we got away from uh, the Sunday night fight. So, uh, well, here's, uh, here, so Cal, we met Mickey last time, and we asked him who the Mike Tyson was, and Chris clearly said that Mickey's one kind of putting all these fights together. So we'll call him. We'll just kind of call him the Don King of the Friday night fights. <laughs> he is the Don King. Oh my God! Only in America. <laughs> Only in America. Yeah. Well, we'll have to spike our hair up next time, I guess, Chris. Uh, I don't know if the other two guys will be able to. Oh my God, Don King. <laughs> uh, hey, so what I do want to? Uh, so we're going to clip this thing out. If we don't have to stop, by all means, uh, we, we can keep going. But I, I do want to get this in, and uh, I, I want to share. We'll be sure to share some clips with you guys about uh you know some maybe like you know what are your what are your what are your people what are the sunday night fights people want to hear and how often do they want to do this because we kind of this is a first time uh meeting as a foursome um golf pun intended but uh but, but, <laughs> golf yeah golf <laughs> but how often do we do this is it a do we do we meet uh do we meet once a month and do we go through the uh the four winners and do we hash those out and talk about a winner of the month uh do we just go through the four and do we drink all four and talk about them even though we didn't talk much we talked a little about old bardstown but i mean you guys hash those two out well enough uh, i think it's a good kind of download and a refresher back for uh back for the audience to hear some new things so what what, what are you guys thinking about that like what what's our frequency unless you're hanging up now and we get nothing <laughs> <laughs> Like I said at the top of this, I mean, uh, this uh, this is I love doing. I love talking about uh, bourbon. I love talking about whiskey. So I'm game for for talking about this anytime you guys want and uh, to rehash the Sunday night fights. And uh, that would be that would be fun, I think. So I, I would I would say our our fans. They, they love the fights. They love our drunken rants and tangents <laughs> afterwards, probably just as much. Um, so I would say, you know, if you wanted to, if you wanted to recap, just a quick recap of the fight at the beginning on the top, like why not? Um, but let's, let's go on those rants. Like let's drink and let's get on tangents and just go off the rails and see what happens because so, that's what happens. That's what happens in a bar, right? So like, we don't just talk about one topic. So you said put it on repeat is what you said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down to talk. I'm down to talk about whiskey, go down tangents, rabbit holes, you name it. Um, You know, I I think that one of the best things about the whiskey, the whiskey world, the whiskey community is the people and the personalities behind it. Um, You guys are really easy to talk to. You're a lot of fun. You're you're funny as hell. Um, We're not as funny. Uh, but we do drink probably more than you, so it probably balances out. I'll challenge you to a duel. <laughs> hey, hey, so so I, I try I try to keep the cussing to a minimum on this, just because uh, I'm sure we have a lot of listeners. But I'll challenge you to a duel, motherfucker. <laughs> hey, and I, I don't I don't know that I can drink more than you, but I'll damn sure drink until I can't drink anymore. 
<laughs> hey, I'm I'm all about that. Like, what the hell? I, I I'll, I'll raise the glass to that. Yeah, for sure. And see, I'm, and I'm on my best behavior because it's your podcast. I'm not and, dropping any any bombs right now. Yeah, we try to keep it PG, but uh, I mean, outside of this man, I'm I'm like a sailor. My dad was a sailor, and I'm like a sailor. So you know, I mean, I let her fly. So I try to keep it PG. So because Dan, Dan, he's like he's got the shit into the horse man because he's like so after we get done, Dan's gonna be like he doesn't we hey. We do not edit. We do not edit. But what Dan does, so I live in a loft in Atlanta, and we've got like the, I've got this big air unit like on the inside. It's like a 1900 building, and it's like loud as shit. So he goes in and he carves out like the noise from the fucking thing. That way people can hear us when we're actually talking, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got to clean the audio up for sure. Yeah. Make him sound yeah, good. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I'll, get, I'll right. get a better microphone than my AirPods for you next time. No, no it's no, fine. No, no, you don't need. You sound great. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. but uh, but I've really enjoyed this, and I'm not trying to cut us off, but um, I do want to know. I do want to know uh, what's um, so. What's your uh, shit? Mickey ain't gonna work. Chris, we haven't had you on yet. So because uh, because Mickey's gonna say the kicking chicken man. I could go pull it off the shelf and bring it down. So he he does. It, we are. You want to, Mickey? You want to say it? What's what's your Fighting. bourbon? What's your what's your bourbon? Fighting cock. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Chris. Uh, so what's your uh, what's your go to? Like, if you only have one more that you can drink again, what's your what is it? Ooh, tough question. But it's going to be a bean product, and it's probably going to be. Old Granddad 114. Oh, I just, I just absolutely love that bourbon. I mean, to me, that is like, I'm still listening. Kind of. You can, <laughs> you can do, you can do anything you want with that bourbon. Yeah, there you go. A little mellow corn, little 114. I, that 114 to me, though, it's just like you want it. You want to drink it. You know, neat, fantastic. It's it's unreal. You want to put it into a cocktail, it'll stand up to anything you can throw at it. You know, and it's just it's just one of those bottles. And and on top of it, it's here it's thirty bucks. I'm sure in New Orleans it's less. It's twenty four ninety nine. It's twenty four ninety nine. It's not that much. Yeah. So I mean, you can't for for what you're getting in that bottle. Um, it's almost, it's almost untouchable to me. I mean, I have a lot of things that I really like, but if I had to pick one, like you can only drink one bourbon. I think I would pick the OGD 114. I just love that bottle. Yeah, I mix that with uh, Mellow Corn 50-50, and uh, that is friggin' fantastic, man. Mellow corn and OGD 114 50-50. Do you have your, can you see? I got I to try this. No, no, no. Send, send me your address, man. I've, I've already got them mixed up. I got a little uh, cheesy uh, birdies and bourbon sticker on it, and um, <laughs> I'll send you a bottle. Oh, there it is. This is going on the bar. This is going on the bar later. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. No, I'll, I'll send, yeah, I'll send you a bottle, and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it's, you, you, can, you can mix it in something, you can drink it straight, you can mostly, you'll just drink it straight, but I mean, it is, that mellow corn is, uh, I mean, I think that's probably one of the most underrated bourbons that are out, I guess maybe whiskey, but uh, yeah, but I mean, if it's real sweet, you know, 
but when you cut it with, uh, and especially, so if you like the uh, 114, you, ought to, you can cut it in different ways. I just like a good 50-50. It's easy, you know, when I get drunk and I don't have to really measure. It's just like hey, a little this, a little that. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, I mean, it works out fantastic. And that, so that's my house blend that I keep at home in a decanter. And uh, people are like, what is it? I'm like, that's eh, a house blend. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's I in there? That. Yeah. I mean, so they'll hear it now, you know, and, and I've told people over time, but I try not to like really air it out because if I said, oh, it's old granddad, one for people don't really hear the 114 unless they're boo snobs. Mm-hmm. And if I say mellow corn, most people are going to be like, what the hell is mellow corn? Mm-hmm. And when they see the label, <laughs> then they're really going to be like, what's this hillbilly shit you're drinking, right? So, <laughs> uh, but hey, now that's like, I'm from East Tennessee. Yeah, it's like some kind of knockoff Mountain Dew in a, in a bottle, right? It's yeah. like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, it's like mellow yellow. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's funny. Like it it, just thinking about like your, your house blend and Chris saying OGD 114 and me saying fighting cock. Like, look, obviously, you know, we all have something way more expensive than any of those on our bars. Right. We, we could pull 10 bottles off the bar. That's way more expensive than any of that. Look, if we were all like Alexander Rodriguez or Tiger Woods rich, Right okay, I'm going to drink Kentucky Owl Rye for the rest of my life, and I'm not touching anything else. <laughs> you just that's not, right yeah, but that's not, that's not the reality that we live in, right? Like, we may right. be able to afford those, but it's not something we can afford to drink every day. And honestly, take everything out from behind me and just get rid of it. Any, like, Old Granddad 114, Fighting Cock, Wild Turkey 101, I'm still going to be able to drink really good whiskey and not break my bank. Mm-hmm. Have you guys tried? So, I mean, we just mentioned a lot of Heaven Hill products right there, right? Have you tried the uh, the Heaven Hill? I think it's got a different name, but the twenty three year that came out. I've not had that. The twenty seven year, twenty seven year. year. I actually have had it. Yes. Is it, uh, it so? I was in uh, so my, in my day job. It allows me to be in Kentucky from time to time. Not now since COVID. But uh, but I did have a chance uh, going to visit a customer and I went up by there and I stopped in because you can't find it on the shelf anywhere. So and it was, I don't know, some ridiculous amount of money, like at seventeen hundred dollars or something. Or I, it was crazy. So and I'm like, yeah, no, I'm going to pass on that. So but uh, so is it, it and I don't think the van any of the pappy stuff, I don't think it's any anything that it's worth. I mean, it's like it's cool. I mean, it's like shooting a buffalo and mounting it on the wall. Right. It's expensive. It's so, good. There's it, a reason why people overpay for it. There's a reason why it's hyped. Um, is it worth fifteen hundred dollars for a pappy 15? No, of course not. You can you can buy an entire bar full of great whiskey for that one bottle, right. you know, but there's prestige to it. And I, and I get it. And I've had all the pappies throughout my life and they're really good. There's a reason why Anthony Bourdain, when he would go to a place, he wanted Pappy 23. There's a reason for that because it's yeah. really an exceptional whiskey, but not all of us are, Ant- or we're Anthony Bourdain and, and, you know, on a company budget where he could just, you know, yeah. There you go, CNN. You know, here's here's my expense report. Sorry about the you know the five hundred dollars I spent at the bar last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, like the Heaven Hill Twenty Seven, um, the biggest complaint I heard about it, and there were two outside of price, was one that it was over oaked, like it was really really woody, and the second was that it was low proof. It was like I think it was in the 90, 90 range. Well, no bourbon 
that's been in a barrel for 27 years, if you just pulled it out of the barrel at barrel strength, is going to taste good. It's going it's to gotta lose something terrible, right? So the fact that they settled on like a 90-ish proof to make that palatable is like, it, I proof does not equate quality, especially when you're over, I'd say, 15 years on a bourbon. At that point, like you should expect something sub 100 easily and be grateful that it's not sub 90. So I liked yeah. it. I thought it was really good. Um, it was definitely a lot more affordable, question mark, uh, than some of the Pappy offerings, which were obviously the Pappies are younger. Um, so I, I feel bad for Heaven Hill because. So you think it's a, like, do you think it's a miss on their part? And that may not be a fair way to put it, but do you, do, I mean, yeah, it's a fair way to put it. I mean, do you think it was a miss? I mean, this is yeah, their sta- this is their staple. I think I think if Buffalo Trace had put out the exact same bottle, like with the same whiskey, they sourced. Let's say they sourced it from Heaven Hill, and they slapped a Buffalo Trace or um, you know an Eagle Rare twenty seven label on it or whatever. Just pick one, even an E H twenty seven here. All right. Right, an Elmer T. Lee 27-year anniversary yeah. one. I think that people would have gladly paid more than $1,700 for that bottle, and they would have been happy to have it. Um, I think that because it was Heaven Hill, uh, Heaven Hill does not get the – they don't get the blind loyalty that Buffalo Trace gets. I think people are more overly critical on Heaven Hill than they probably should be. Um, I think that, like I said, if Buffalo Trace had put that out, you would have never seen one on a shelf at any price. So how soon do we see a, a Willet or do we see a Heaven Hill? Well, you did. I mean, I've, I've got a few on the wall, and, and I think it's decent, but you got the Heaven Hill seven-year bottle and bond. And what do you guys think about that label? Love that label. It's beautiful. That's one of the best labels that Heaven Hill offers. That and Pikesville, I think, are like two of the really great Heaven Hill design labels. I'll, I'll give it up to Mellow Corn too. I like the label, um, even though it's kind of campy. It's <laughs> it's definitely unique. It is unique, yeah. But but I mean that's again look at the uh, look at the um, Dickel and early times, and then look at where Heaven Hill went with their bottle and bond, and, yeah, and uh, even I mean, it even beam with their their new Baker's labels too. Oh yeah, I, it, I, exactly. I think that it's they're they're clean, man. They look really nice and. I think we're going to see more labels like that. I hope. Cool. Yeah, I'm all for it. There, that 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 Heaven Hill Seven Year Bottle and Bond is a really cool, really cool label. And the Mellow Corn, I actually love that that label, and I I, I like the whiskey inside too. It's it's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, hey, man, I've I've got a case. Uh, my friend's bottle shop plugged. <laughs> uh, I bought two cases of each, and I uh, blend them and send them out as uh, you know, as uh, thank you. So there you go. I love it. I got to work on my packaging, though, Mickey. Uh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, plastic <laughs> bottles always expand. They're going to leak every time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what else you want to wrap up with, guys? Um, I'd love to make a recommendation for people to pay attention to for uh, a bottle of whiskey. Um, it's going to be the new released uh, from Jim Beam. It's Old Tub. 
Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good time. Hey, uh, sorry about this. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty last night when we were recording the uh, the great audio and video with the uh, the Bourbon and Rye Club and the Urban Bourbonist. We had a great time with those guys. Um, the our little Skype session kind of cut out on us, so we had to uh, kind of chop into this ending and wanted to let you know that they will be back. Cal, tell us about that. Oh, will they be back? Uh, before we get into that, the good news is Dan has a new position in the company. <laughs> He's, Dan has been promoted to intern. All that hard work is actually paying off. It's awesome. Congratulations, Dan. Thank you. Uh, no, Thank no, no. You. Yeah, we, we only we only dropped a couple minutes at the end there, but uh, yeah. So uh, we're going to be hosting monthly, uh, and I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself. Uh, but they did uh, they did agree. They had some good comments from their Sunday night fights, asking, "Hey, can this go into a podcast?" So yeah. in fact, it can, and it is. Uh, so we're going to be hosting uh, the Friday night fights recap of the Sunday night fight. So we're looking forward to that. Chris and Mickey are fantastic hangs, man. Uh, yeah. Love to love to pour one back with those guys. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, we are going to get on uh, somewhat of a schedule. So uh, more to come on that. So uh, thanks for joining us tonight and mm -hmm. hope everybody enjoyed the show. All right. Cheers. Bye.